Welcome to Sunday Chats 969, the podcast where you can listen back to interviews that were first broadcast on All FM 96.9. We are an award-winning community radio station based in Manchester. And on today's show, my special guest is the fantastic new flash fiction writer, Quegley CB. She's become a regular at a variety of open mic nights in and around Manchester. And it's been my pleasure to introduce her to our listeners. Enjoy this first broadcast on the 12th of June, 2022. Welcome back to another hour of the Sunday Tea Show right here on 96.9 All FM on your radio, allfm.org, wherever you are in the world, online. You're joined by me, Ruth O'Reilly. Delighted to be keeping you company. And on today's show, we are also joined live in the studio by my special guest, who is flash fiction writer Quegley CB. Welcome to the show, Quegley. Lovely to see you at last. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, it's really good to have you on. We love to introduce our listeners to new creative talent from in and around Manchester. And we have actually played a couple of your um, pieces last week for the for the Jubilee. They, they went down really well. So it's good to get a chance. I think Sundays are, are a great time for, for listening to short stories, actually. Hopefully, <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so what we're doing as well is introducing our listeners to you. We are doing what I would describe as kind of like a little bit of a desert island discs because you've, <laughs> you've actually selected a, a couple of tracks for us as well. So look forward to, to playing your selection. And we are starting off with This Must Be The Place, Talking Heads. Quite appropriate, I suppose, because we're talking heads right now. But um, is there any story behind why you've chosen this? Not really. Uh, I was planning to like take the records really seriously and choose my Desert Island discs. Oh, okay. And then uh, I ended up just picking ones that I was listening to at the moment. Yeah, nah, that's the best way to go. So we'll <laughs> yeah. kick off with this. And this is actually a popular choice. I think a lot of people will remember that people have chosen this before. So let's have this. Thank you. 
Talking Heads there. This must be the place. And this is the place right now to be listening to. It's All FM 96.9, where I'm joined live in the studio by my special guest, who is Quigley CB. I love your name, Quigley. As I've just said, it's it's so uh, fantastic. It's a great use of the, the letter Q. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, Quigley, how did you get in, into writing? I first saw you at um, an open mic night. I think it was all the way in, in, in January. You were at Manchester oh, Central Library yeah. that, that time. That was when I first Central. saw you, yeah. And I thought, wow, this girl sounds an amazing, someone that I would love to um, speak to. And then our lovely mutual friend, Andy N, said, I need to get her on the podcast. <laughs> so and I think that you'd been in touch with him first. But now we've got you in, in the studio. So you've got a very distinctive style to your writing don't you, Quigley? <laughs> I've been told this. I feel like it's just the way I speak naturally. Okay. Like, I don't feel like I write particularly unusually. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, my stuff in my head feels very much like this is a normal story about normal okay. people. And then people are like, that was an intensely strange story that yeah, you just read. That was off the scale. <laughs> Have you, have you always found it? I mean, it seems so so natural then the way it comes to you to to write stories like this. Have, have you always d- written just for yourself? Because I know you've not been performing that long, actually, have you? No, I wrote a lot as a kid. Um, okay, and then got put off it by secondary school because I went to one of these schools where like right you couldn't really do anything. Uh-huh. You know, you don't express anything. Yeah, um, and I've been trying to get back into it. Mm-hmm. I find it really difficult to not hate my own writing a lot. So okay. I've been trying to learn to not do that. Um, but yeah, I've only kind of recently restarted actually writing and enjoying it, mm. which is really nice. I'm not putting too much pressure on it to be something like incredible the first time. Yes. No, I get what you mean. And like one of the things I, w- I was saying to you is ju- during the whole lockdown situation, a lot of people kind of that they rediscovered their, their love of, of writing, writing that they just put into drawers and, and stuff like that. So, so was that kind of the, the case with you as well, do you think? Sort of. Um, I guess so. If you, like, I hadn't thought about it, but mm-hmm. like I, was, I was living with my parents. I was unemployed, and I was just so okay. intensely bored that uh, I think I just started writing very strange things that <laughs> I wasn't able to yes. say. It's, it's, a, it's a great breeding ground, that, for <laughs> just like letting the imagination um, run wild. I listened to your, your, your podcast and you mentioned that you had um, a, a professor um, comment on your work. What, what, what was it that he said about your, your work? Was irredeemable. It? Ir- irredeemable. Irredeemable, yes, that was it. What exactly do, does that mean? <laughs> I think um, the thing was he wrote stories that were, that were, he was a very good writer, but it was mm. very kind of, um, very different style to what I wrote. It was a lot of contemporary conversations okay. with people mm. um it wasn't very genre at, at all really okay um i think he was like i have no idea what to do with this i just i can't help you fix this <laughs> i don't like it and i'm sure you said well maybe it doesn't even need to be fixed it it just is as it is i mean that's my opinion but like yeah i should have said that that would have made sense <laughs> one of the things that i really like uh, um, about you quickly though is you you're not from from manchester are you you've you you've come here from 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 london and it's a bit like the the plot line um of a novel in itself you you've you've come here and, and it's here that you've decided to start entertaining us with with your stories because 
it's like a whole new identity for for being in Manchester in a way. Did did you did you always think I'll come to it? I'll go to a, a different city, and that's where I will start performing. Or is it just the the whole open mic scene of Manchester that's kind of caught you? And I'm like, I just want to perform. I think it's it's absolutely the second one. Like, mm-hmm. I thought I'd try one just just to see what it was like. Okay. And people are so lovely here, and there's such like an actual community, and everyone speaks to each other, and yeah, it's just really nice. It doesn't feel like um, I've been told about some in London that can be quite networky, and it feels like everyone's just there to oh, right. promote their own stuff. But like here, it feels like everyone's so nice and you can yes. get up and read something absolutely bizarre or something completely conventional and you'll still have people who like it and people be like interested in it and just be really nice brilliant brilliant okay so where were you originally from then is it ireland or london because i've got a bit confused about <laughs> that now but i'm from essex okay um my mum's irish ah right and yeah. i was living in dublin last year um but i am actually from essex i'm an essex girl Oh, right, okay. <laughs> but for some reason, I think when I saw you at that open mic, I thought my original thought was that you were from Ireland, but I, I totally get it, because half my family are, are in, in Ireland and they're, they're down in the South Cork City, which is a very sing-songy kind of accent, so it only takes um, a, a Zoom call, a phone call, and, and that's it. It's, it's contagion, isn't it? But Ireland and Dublin especially is full of literary greats, full of creative people. So maybe that's where some of this has come from maybe. with you. <laughs> Hopefully it's rubbed off of me a bit. Yeah, I hope so. So do you want to share with us some, some of what you've um, written then? Because I'm, I'm down for the, the listeners to actually get a, a, a taste of this. Sure. Um, this is a, a fairly new short story. Okay, um, brilliant. It's, I guess I'd give a mild content warning for, like, okay. body horror, but it should be fine. Okay. Um, okay. It's called, uh, Do You Think This Is How Jesus Sees Us? Oh, right. Is, I'm, I'm oh, terrible with titles. Uh, great, great for a Sunday, though, I guess, <laughs> an alternative something, sermon or something. Okay, so we had St. Peter last week, so now we're, we're treated to, to Jesus. Okay. <laughs> the Catholic school is coming out. Yeah, okay, in, enjoy. <laughs> Barry was a good man in his mid-thirties who had long felt an affinity with rodents. As a boy, he had spent long hours in pet shops, his arms hanging low into the open pens, praying for the rabbits to come out from its solitude and offer him a sniff. As an older boy, he would stare longingly at the bins behind restaurants, hoping perhaps to catch just a glimpse. Little mousies, big angry raticus, pygmy shrews and squat little guinea pigs, all of them filled him with a feeling he could not describe a warmth, a companionship that humanity had yet to stir. When he moved into a little flat all his own, he did so thinking of how he could fill it. And lo, it was not long before its plain white walls were padded with hutches and pens, tanks, cages, all of the friends he'd brought for his own little box room. And then, of course, for his little friend's children, and their children's children, and their children's children's children, born sneakily out of wedlock from hidden incestuous dalliances, the froth of young soon bubbling up out of cages whenever some conniving male or female hid beneath the sawdust of another. And the more little creatures Barry acquired, the harder it became for him to police them. What had started as a litter became a penful, became an overflow and soon a full-time occupation. Barry was losing sleep at the labour of feeding and cleaning and counting and separating his little charges and was taking extra shifts at work to cover the cost to them, yet somehow he came home to fuller cages every night with more animals crying out for more food and more space and attention. Barry loved his creatures. He couldn't bear to see them unhappy. 
He avoided their eyes whenever he passed their teeming hutches. Poor Barry was racked with guilt at the resentment he felt for them, that he could not spend more time with them. For the loss of sleep and the money, my God, the smell of them all. He knew he was drowning in them, as they were drowning in each other. He had no more room for them, yet he couldn't give them away. How could he part with the beloved little beasts he'd so longed for? How could he betray them by giving them to another? So one night he found himself praying. Barry prayed to God for a solution that would absolve him, that would ease his burden without acknowledging his little loves as a burden at all. He prayed to God in a fervour, muttering over the sound of a hundred tiny wheels turning rapidly in place. Absolve me, God, he whispered, eyes shut tight and sweaty hands pressed together. Make it easier for me. By the morning, Barry's life seemed very much the same. He rose early, spent two hours attending the diverse needs of the Western Wall's occupants before grabbing some food, dressing and leaving for work. He spent the day in a fog of insomnia, barely registering the presence of the various humans around him. The workday itself passed without comment, though he was distantly aware of a nausea creeping around his gut, as though he had yet to eat, even after lunch. His gut itself had grown low and hanging over the years of attending other creatures' needs before his own, but the nausea was new to him, though it only hovered around the edges of his consciousness. Returning home late, and burdened with bags of food and sawdust, Barry had barely strength left to stand. He dropped his cargo, took off his clothes and allowed himself a whole ten minutes of lying face down on his bed in his boxers before the calls of the needy shamed him to action. He heaved himself up and reached into the top rows of the eastern wall's cages. He felt his soft belly hang low into the open-topped pens beneath, filled to the brim with the pink popcorn of baby rats. Brain moving slowly, Barry's arms began the motions of cleaning and feeding the higher hutches when he noticed a sort of muffled popping sound somewhere below him. But when he moved to look, it stopped. He couldn't make it out. Plus, the pens looked somehow bigger, like they had grown. He peered out from a sleep-hungry brain, then gave up an understanding and returned to his work. The next cage, then the next. It was only upon reaching the second row of creatures that Barry realised the cages had not grown at all, they were just emptier. The teeming mounds of young gave way to little sawdust deserts, wide and clear. Barry did not know that how this had happened, but he could have cried with relief. God had heard him. He was lightening the load. And the next row passed in record time, needing little food and care after the others. And the next row too. As the popping sound continued, Barry found himself enjoying the work again. He could pet the odd individual left and smile upon the lone remaining occupants of his rodent city, now made spacious. He was on, perhaps, the fourth row of such cages, when leaning in to reach out to a lonely hamster, Barry's finger was cruelly and unusually bitten. He recoiled his hand in haste, and looking down at it for the first time, Barry saw the gaping mouth, wide on his hanging belly, sucking down and swallowing each creature in the cage below, one by one, its bright pink lips closing on each body with a pop. Wow. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, <laughs> speechless. But again, just a prime example of your fantastic imagination. So I think it's time for another track. And next up, I think we're going to have um, from from rats to dogs, um, <laughs> Moon Dog um, with High on, on a Rocky Ledge. Is, is there any reason for this? This is just one of those songs that I've been playing over and over again for wow. some reason. It's okay. been stuck in my head for weeks. Okay, let's uh, enjoy this then. <laughs> Thank you. 
chances would be taken in my hopeless pursuit of the That was Moondog there with High on a Rocky Ledge. And I've just been saying um, so quickly, your your choices, they actually feel like as if you're quite um, inspired by the the storytelling style of music. Yeah, I think so. There's some that like really, like when a line is really good in a song, it stays in your head for so long. Of course, yes. So that's, that's been your inspiration. Have any have any other writers or particular writers in, inspired your way of writing? Do you think? Because we have talked about how distinctive it it actually is, and I, I'm kind of like wrecking my brains for people that write like you. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's a great thing. That's a sign of originality. But I'm just wondering, has anyone actually in, inspired you? Um, it's difficult to say in terms of inspiration. I can say who I like. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would be. It would be flattering myself to say that there's any similarity. Okay. But uh, I really love Kafka. Uh, I know I mentioned this on the podcast before, but I oh, think... that's the German guy, is it, was he from uh, Austria? He's Prague. Oh, okay. Republic, yeah. Um, you know, the metamorphosis where he wakes up one morning, he's a yeah. cockroach. Really ahead like, of his time, I think. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it, it's really, really good. And it's just, it's like, you've been presented with a problem. 
mm-hmm. that is completely out of your control and now you're having to deal with it and it's like mm. it's how how do you deal with something like this <gasps> exactly and in the story that you've just read for us that's had that had a bit of that theme it's like you know oh my god i've got this problem i've got all these rodents and and, and how am i going <laughs> to like, like deal with it kind of thing wow do, have you got certain topics that that you'll always write about? I know that you write about about religion, but is there any other topics that that you kind of think I need to write something more about that? I think it's more like I just tend to I don't plan anything I write, and I just tend to write it. Okay. And just see what comes out. But like a lot of the time, there are themes that are like coming up in a lot of things, mm-hmm. and I'm trying not to read too much into anything. No, okay. <laughs> there is like yeah, there is a, a bit of a undercurrent of Catholicism maybe or a little bit of God mm. somewhere through it but um, as I say I went to Catholic school I'll blame it on that yeah yeah they, well, they'll, they'll make you feel guilty about everything so you <laughs> might as well find you know some kind of way to, to rid yourself of it <laughs> have you wrote about confessions yeah I think that would be a great one uh, I was thinking about it actually I was thinking of doing I shouldn't say this out, like on the radio because it will completely ruin it if I no, okay. do it but I was thinking of doing like an open mic where it's like a confession booth so you stand with your back to the audience yes just like forgive me father I've sinned but uh, I have not yet actually written that. <laughs> yeah, because I went to Catholic school as well, and I was just thinking con- confessional um, stories with very bizarre confessions. I can see yeah. that going somewhere, definitely. Yeah, for sure. You also write about um, body parts. I and mean, I, I studied anatomy and physiology, and I've often thought, you know, the, the, the way things work would make a, a, a great kind of prose of some kind but that but I never got any further than that but but you you really got into it you really um the first um piece that I ever heard from you was about someone with um an ear at the back of of their head (laughs) yeah I'll be reading that one today (laughs) brilliant we look forward to to hearing that one again I mean was there anything uh, that triggered that for you was it about gossipy people or just um, totally random i think it's based on real conversations i've had okay i have vitiligo which is um where parts of my skin are like white lighter color yeah yeah, yeah. my mom had that i yeah yeah it's, it's pretty common and it's one of those things that it really doesn't affect your life much at all except mm-hmm. for how people react to it and some people yeah. don't care at all and some people will make a lot of kind of oh, that must be really hard for you, that kind of thing. And yeah, it depends how bad you've got it, really, isn't it? There's all different levels of it. Okay, so you've you changed it from, from skin to an extra ear, and uh, <laughs> brilliant. I guess so, yeah. I hadn't thought about it like, <laughs> clearly in my head when I was writing it. Amazing, okay. So I'm just like, keen for the listeners to hear as much from you as possible. So um, can we have another piece from you? Sure. Um, This is the first half of a a fairly long short story, so I'll just read a section. Okay. Um, It's called A Seed in the Hand, brackets, is worth two in the foot, which is, again, I need to do something about my titles. (laughs) (laughs) Is it title first and then story, or story and then title? Always story and then title. I have to come up with something as a title, and I just feel like, this random sentence will do. Okay. Uh, Okay. The girl, well, I suppose we must call her a woman, as she does, in fact, fit at least several definitions of the term woman, or at least certainly more of them than definitions of the word girl. Though really, she feels she's never quite attained the status of woman, never fully managed to qualify or graduate into womanhood. In fact, feels more like a teenage boy in her current state, flat-chested and squalid, 
haunted by a lust rooted in a terrible fear that one will not, or perhaps cannot, do sex right, is deeply and irremediably a horrid little pervert, though in fairness to the girl, or to some extent woman, she reasons to herself as she sits with both hands in the loose soil of a flower bed. In fairness to herself, this may be a quite a prom- common problem faced by those who have never quite recovered from being attracted to others like them at a young age. Her sense of her own heredity, a latent and Catholic expression of the need to avert one's gaze in the bra aisle of a clothes shop, lest she be suspected of looking for too long or with intent. But the person of indeterminate status was trying to return attention to the feelings experienced by her hands. She had dwelt too long in the box that she rented, and though it wasn't an unpleasant box, and she had now grown enough to apply for and receive a box that let light in this time, and so she was no longer weighted by a long depression misread as philosophy but born from the late stages of vitamin D withdrawal, now she had returned at least somewhat to humanity. Now she found herself grappling with a new fear altogether. It had been last Thursday, she remembered, when she had realised she had touched nothing for several weeks that was not formed of plastic. Her work required the tapping of plastic keys from the comfort of the plastic swivel chair in her kitchen. The clothes she wore, cheap and baggy and worn until death, were various designs of polyester blends. Bottles of shampoo she held, packets of food she opened, the handles of the knives she cooked with, her Tupperware containers, her faux stone plastic countertops and her faux metal plastic door handles, none of them had struck her as strange or malnourishing until awoken from a work-avoiding nap mid-Thursday by a terrible dream that grew into a fear and a haunting, that she was losing the ribs on her fingers, that she was evolving out of needing them, so that the whole world, should she ever come across it again, would feel smooth and pleasant and dead as the plastic she had grown accustomed to. The smoothness of her home disgusted her then, and she resolved to leave it as soon as possible in order to stick her fingers in some things, give them a jolting by texture as a nod to them, a warning that they could not relax just yet, could not give up the ghost and ignore their duty, and she would do this as soon as she could next be arsed. A small park, a mere 30 minute walk from her, seemed a prime location for some dermatological stimulation. The little green patch on Google Maps radiated such promise of feeling. Within a mere three to four days, she'd accrued the energy to go and discover it, and she had, and now here she was in a low squat with both hands submerged in mud, trying desperately to notice how it felt and to sustain her tension for a minute upon the clamminess and the healing wet textures that she'd longed for. It did feel good, she thought, and the ten foot by four foot park, or was it eleven by three? Well, it was a pretty one and a worthy find, the nearest green space to her. And the grass that brushed her upper arms, too, was nice. It felt breakable and warm, and she wanted to rip at it. She did. She pulled up the grass and ripped at it and tore it with her hands and rubbed it between her palms, and that felt really nice. And so here she sits now, once more upon her kitchen chair several weeks later. For, you see, the happenings of the interim have been excluded, I'm afraid, for refusing to fit the narrative, and they shan't be let back in until they can prove themselves relevant. Here she is, at length, typing once more upon the laptop of her profession. A steady beast, reliable, and not without a distant collegial charm, and she is typing to herself up a report of some such, of very little interest to any herself included, when a sharp pain upon her palm calls itself to her attention. Upon inspection, it becomes clear to her that there is a stowaway, a small enough little creature of a seed, nestled deeply within the crevice of her line of Apollo. An illegal alien, she thinks. Aha! A parasite upon my person. No, thank you. And she goes at it with both pair of tweezers and with gusto. The tweezers, of course, a remnant of a long-ago purchased vanity kit, and the gusto one of righteous indignation. The tiny ovum, though, will not be moved. In fact, it seems to burrow further in. 
She curses, then, the chubbiness of her hands, that its trenches would harbour such fugitives, to spite her, no doubt, and the slippery wetness of those fingers that aided and abetted. While she was at it, she cursed the stubbiness of those fingers, which had let her down more than once, as well as her inability to ever really catch a tan. At length, she decides to leave the tiny seedling and let it fall out on its own. Surely, she reasons, the continuous movement of her hands, the variety of poses and stretches, will inch it out slowly and rhythmically, and one day she will look down upon her palm once more, and seeing it clear, will not even think to notice its absence. So she is resolved to act, or rather inact, and to let the little fellow be a fool if he wishes on his own, without her bothering her head over him, and she looks away from her hand back towards the little plastic screen and begins tapping once again. And indeed she did forget about the seed, within mere minutes, and it barely cropped up into her head again for several days. The memory only nodding to her from time to time, when hand was stretched too wide or clasping too firmly, the little beast would tip its cap to her with a gentle nudge of pain. Not content with this, after the passing of several days' worth of time, the gentle nudge had become something of a tap, and within a week it had become a shove. When she'd been sufficiently cajoled into remembering the existence of her passenger, she looked down upon it once more, and then looked closer. The many dogs and separate leads that pulled the sled of her brain at last made to run in one direction, they pulled her focus all at once to what she saw. The little seed had somehow done what seeds do, and not fallen out, but sprouted tiny legs beneath her skin. Half in, half out of her, the abject figure had taken root inside her body. The dark shapes of roots beneath her skin circled like sharks around it, and its mouth was split open now, a hint of unfurled green waiting in its darkness. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's amazing. You've gone from ears to, to hands and, <laughs> and all sorts. The tour of the body. Yes, exactly. Well, you've got, you've got plenty more parts to, to write <laughs> about. Wow. So, so that's, that's only um, a, a section of, of a short story. Is it complete? Where could we find out the rest of it? Uh, I'm hoping to get it published somewhere. Okay. Um, I'm still... I'm not yet content with the second half, which is part of why I haven't read the second right. half. Right, okay. Ah, well, there was something about the, the allure of leaving it there. It's like, what, what's yeah. going to happen next? Okay, so we'll, we'll hear some more from you after another one of your musical choices. Um, this is a Catch by The Cure. Anything behind this? I just think it's a gorgeous song. Yeah, okay. Let's have a listen to this then. Yes. 
the cure my cousins love um the, the cures so it's always nice to to hear them you're listening to the sunday tea show right here on 96.9 all fm on your radio allfm.org wherever you are in the world online and my special guest live in the studio today is the fantastic quigley cb she's a short story writer and you've just recently discovered your um your, your love of writing short stories haven't you yeah we'll rediscovered it again yeah yeah, and you've just started more so performing um, your work as well. What was it like for you to perform for, for the very first time <laughs> after rediscovering? And did, did, Was it a case of your friends were saying you've got to perform this or you thought I'll just go and perform it and, and see what happens? Um, I was actually, I was working in a coffee shop. Okay. And these people came in saying, oh, can we give uh, flyers in or can we leave flyers for an open mic tonight in oh. here? Um, and I was thinking, well, I've been writing for a bit and I'm horrified to show anyone anything I've written. Ah, okay. Uh, so I might as well do the most uncomfortable thing I could possibly do for myself. Wow. <laughs> and read some stuff. And it was, it was awful. Like it was a horrible, was it? like it was, it was so nerve wracking because I don't like public speaking anyway. Like, okay. Oh, wow. So that was really feel the fear yeah. and do it anyway. It was, what was yeah. it? Was it, a, was it a big event? Was it a small intimate? What What was it? It was kind of uh, maybe middle sized. It was a lot of poetry, though. And I think I was one of the only people doing a short story. And okay. It's always kind of hard to tell which um, places your stuff will fit. Yeah. Uh, especially because it's such an odd, I'm not sure what genre I would say I write. Okay. So. But yeah. everyone was really nice. The people were lovely, but it was just, it was terrifying. But afterwards I was thinking, I have to do that again, so I'm less terrified of it next time. Oh, yes. But do most people get the, the humour? As I've said, I, I, I do feel there's a certain humour through it, even though it's it's serious in another way. Do you, do you find that you get a lot of people that just kind of like laugh out loud or giggle at it, or they're just kind of bewildered about what they're baffled? <laughs> a bit of both. The funny thing is, I don't notice humour in it when I write it. Okay. I feel like this is just a very normal story. <laughs> this is about <laughs> how I'm feeling. Laugh, yeah. I feel like it's such a clear allegory for whatever I'm feeling at the time that people will hear this and just be like, well, that's just very self-indulgent. That's you talking about your emotions. And then I read it at people and they start laughing. And I'm like, why are you laughing at this? This is, okay. this is, this is my life. <laughs> in a metaphorical sense. <laughs> yeah. We hope that you don't have seeds growing into things <laughs> in, in the palm of your hands. Wow. No, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> but we need to let the listeners know that, you know, 
this is becoming a regular occurrence for you now, isn't it? it Performing has. at open mics. And uh, in fact, you've got uh, another open mic event very soon. Yeah, um, I'm uh, at the Pier Hat tonight at a Switchblade. Brilliant. Which I've never performed it before, so that'll be nice. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so that's exciting. Brilliant. So you may be listening now and you have an opportunity later on to, to see Quigley perform. Do you want to give the, the name one more time? Uh, Switchblade Society at the Pier Hat. Brilliant. And we've got time. We need to try and get as many more um, pieces from you as possible. So you've got another one. Sure. Um, this is a slightly long one as well. Okay. Um, again, I'll give another content warning because it's, it's got some weird body Okay. Stuff <laughs> well, radio's a perfect place for, for longer pieces of, of prose, so take it away. Great. Um, this is called Opening Up. Hi there. No, you're in the right place. Come on in. There are no set times for tours, so I'm happy to give you guys one now if you like. Just a few of you today, I see. Well, that's absolutely fine. We can get to know each other a little bit. Have you travelled far? Oh, sorry. No, that's fine. I'll keep it quick. Don't want to be keeping you if you're busy. No worries at all. Let's get started. First stop on our tour. Now, can anyone tell me what this is? That's right. It is a stomach. If you just want to pass it around amongst yourselves. Yeah, feel free to give it a good feel. That's great. Not what you expected, is it? Now, a lot of people think the stomach is going to be pink and squishy. Quite a cute organ, but as you can see and feel, this one is more of a rusty brown and quite swollen too. Hard with something inside it, isn't it? Not quite so cute. Of course, this shouldn't be seen as the standards for stomachs, as what you're here to see are abnormalities, and this piece is a great example. It's certainly not something you would want for yourself. Oh, that's a great question. Thanks for asking. Yes, this and everything you will see today are in fact all my own organs, so no need to worry about ethical sourcing. Now, this stomach, for example, should not be nearly so hard. Also, if you give it a shake or a squeeze, yeah, you got it just like that. See how that thing inside softens and starts moving? And hear that strange sort of ripping and sucking sound? What is that? Another great question. It's clearly something abnormal, but full disclosure, we actually don't know. We know there's something bad in there, which seems to be trying to get out, and we feel like it might want to hurt people, so this governing body, pun intended, has decided not to investigate too thoroughly. It does seem to be fine where it is, and it's not hurting anyone, so just an exciting abnormality to show you all. Next up, we have this long, metallic-looking object. Now, this was taken from the space between the front of my ribs. See how it would sit right there, from the end of the sternum to just above where your tummy is? Now again, I would stress this is not a common organ. This one has only been found in me. There may well be others in existence, but they haven't turned up quite yet. For now, little is known about what it is or what it does, but we think it acts as some sort of filtration system and a store for body dirt. Notice how the casing looks clean and shiny, quite cold to the touch. But if you look at your hands after handling it, that's right, they've got all dirty. And if we take a little of this casing off, there you see, there's all this nasty dirt built up inside, clogging it up. Pardon? Well, as I say, we're still learning about it. We're not really sure why I have this and no one else seems to. Though maybe we just haven't had enough people cut themselves open for us. But we currently believe that some bodies take in and hold on to more dirt than others, making the growth of this organ due to necessity. 
We're not sure how much of this is genetic, but it seems the dirt gets into the body somehow, perhaps creeping in under the fingernails. It might be ingested or breathed in, but when one is frequently exposed to dirt, or particularly vulnerable to its invasion, the body seems to compensate by developing this system to pull as much of that nastiness out of the bloodstream, out of circulation, and keep it locked up nice and safe here, where it can't get on anything or cause any problems, keeping the whole body protected. Do you have a dirt sink? Well, I really can't answer that for you unless you let me more into you. No? Well, I will say I personally feel mine all the time. I was very aware it was there before showing it to you guys. So my guess is if you can't feel it already, you probably don't. Though you're only young, so maybe you'll grow one in time if enough dirt gets into you. Okay, now we have this item. Who can tell me where this belongs? Oh, good guess, but not quite, I'm afraid. Yes? Oh, I've heard that suggestion before, but no. What if I told you this organ is a clencher? It pulls a small group of muscles into constant crushing contact. No guesses? Come on guys, do you even have organs? Just a joke of course, there are abnormalities so they can't be too popular. This is another of my own little creations, maybe my body just needs more help holding on to itself. The little pincer looking thing here actually goes deep in the throat and if it's working properly, keeping an eye on our little friend in the stomach, it creates an almost constant feeling of nausea, as if something horrible deep inside you wants to get out and something very tight and strong knows to keep it just where it should be. Now this organ is my personal favourite, I'll admit, because at the end of the day it keeps us all safe. The restriction of this one does have side effects. It can be hard to breathe or speak, for example, but it's all for the best and it keeps everything in its proper place. Oh, I'm sorry, you're right. I completely forgot about the time. Could you stay for one more? I'll skip some of the lesser ones, the spine holes, etc. I've been saving the best till last. Sorry? Oh, I've been asked that one before, but actually no, surprisingly few abnormalities in that region, or they would have been included in the tour. I'm not sure why that is exactly, but I'd make a joke about lack of use if there weren't children present. Okay, right, last but certainly not least, we have this beauty here. We don't actually have a name for this one yet, and it's been not been found in anyone else either, though I have been searching. We have absolutely no clue what this one does, because, as you can see, there's not much to it. It seems to be simply a coagulated mass of flesh. Sometimes it throbs, sometimes it feels pain. It has even been known to wander a bit around the abdomen like the proverbial womb, but mostly it appears to just sit there, occupying a space in the body. It does not connect with any other organ, nor does it have openings or entrances for things to get out. It's not a tumour, as these cells are not cancerous. The body has grown it on purpose. Give it a feel. It feels horrible too, doesn't it? Completely dense and unyielding. There's nothing in it. It just sits there all the time. Oh, are you sure you have to go so soon? Well, I mean, you're welcome to stay longer if you like. Before you go, what do we think of this last one? Do we like it? Do you like what I've shown you today? Do you still like me? Do you have any organs you'd like to share? No? Come on, I'm sure you can stay a little longer. I've got some great games you can play if you like. Or why not fill out a visitor's form? Tell me what you thought of everything. You've seen me open, you can't leave now. Look, I can search for more in me too, quickly, before you go. Maybe you'll like the new ones more. Why don't we look together? No? If you're worried about me, I can sew myself back up any time, whenever I want. There's really no limit. It doesn't hurt at all. Look, it's fine. It's look. Are you sure you won't... Can't I... Okay. Wow, that sounds like um, the museum, the body museum or something. <laughs> <laughs> nice tour for all the family. 
And it also reminds me of um, the, it feels like as if that would work really well for someone that wanted to diet or something, you know, just like get tour around the body. I'm ready for for my diet now. Wow. (laughs) Okay. So we're going to have um, some more music, then we'll have time for it, but one more piece. Um, This is the um, Joyful um, Kilimanjaro Blues, I think that's what it's called, the Proclaimers. So so let's have this, and then we'll have time for one more piece from from Quagley. You're listening to 96.9 All FM. I'm not going to talk about doubts and confusion On a day when I can see with my shut I'm not going to talk about doubts and confusion On a day when I can see with my shut I'm not going to talk about doubts and confusion On a day when I can see with my shut I'm not going to talk about it 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 I've never been to Asia Taste home on Saturday Sixty miles to Kilmarnock To see a band in play The deal is bright and sunny But the game I won't lay And it was all Kilmarnock bonus To make me want to stay But I'm not gonna talk about it All night when I can see with my shots My eyes obscured my vision As the time I was on my way I began to learn the lesson When I started walking the West Shore My eyes obscured my vision As the time I was on my way I began to learn the lesson And I'm not going to talk about it Or like when I can see with my shots I walk through the tunnel. I held my head up and I salute them. I walk through the country. I walk through the tunnel. I held my head up and I salute them. And I'm not going to talk about it. All night when I can see with my shots. Morning sky, morning sky. All night when I can see with my shots. Matter, the answer's always I. The best you have always had, the land is the sky. The question doesn't matter, the answer's always I. The best you have always had, the land is the sky. I'm not going to talk about it. All I can see with my shots. Was there, and that was one of the choices of my lovely guest, who is Quegley CB. She is a short story writer, and Sunday is perfect for, for short stories. So it's great to have you live in in the studio. As I was mentioning, I did see you on on one open mic night, but 
what what's next for you, Coigley? Um, well, I've been working on a chapbook. Um, I'm trying to like gather together some of the stories that have a similar theme. Oh, okay. It turns out the similar theme is body horror. Yeah. Which, who would have guessed? Well, it's very relatable. <laughs> We've all got one. <laughs> yeah, very much. Um, but I'm I'm hoping to actually finish that and maybe get it published at some point, and I will let people know when that happens. Mm. I think, you know, the the parts of the body people always seem to write about is kind of like the the heart, isn't it, stereotypically? So I think it's really interesting that you pick the the um the, the, the organs that people don't mainly think about to write about or, you know, do songs on or, or whatever. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, so there is that to it. But I'm just imagining you could have like one chapter to the face and then the body <laughs> and then go on from, from That's that. a good idea. Do like the whole body through individual stories. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, we've got time for, for one more piece from you, Quigley. Sure. Uh, this is the one I think you heard me read before. Um, it's called, yeah, but I don't think it really means anything. <laughs> Love the titles. Love the titles. <laughs> Another long title, yeah. yeah. This ear thing growing out the back of my head, I don't know, it's never really bothered me. Like, it did when I was a teenager, maybe, and a couple of other kids said things, but I grew up in a small town. There were always weirder kids with weirder things going on to pick on instead, and I never really cared about the odd remark, because I don't really care about the ear itself, you know? I think my hearing was maybe better. Like, having eyes in the back of your head could really hear things said behind me. Hear stuff all over the place, but that's just in retrospect. At the time, it was all I knew. Hearing was just hearing, and a little nub of flesh somewhere I couldn't see didn't pop into my head more than once a month, unless I lay on it funny or someone chose to remind me of it. It was just a part of me, you know. I didn't think to care about it, really. But here we were, me small and peering over the dashboard thing of the passenger side, my dad in the driving seat, and I haven't seen him in maybe two years, which is a very long time in childland, you know. Like, it's nothing now, but I remember feeling like he'd been dead and come back to life for me, come back across some vast ocean just to drive me to school. And he turns to me as he's driving, we're in his fancy car. It felt like a spaceship to me at the time. I couldn't believe I got to be in it. I got to have this man drive me to school in my own spaceship with leather seats that lay back so far. Well, he turns to me and his eyes look sad and he says, such a shame about that ear, eh? And it takes me a little while to work out what ear, like, I mean, I've got plenty to choose from, or is it even one of mine that he's talking about? But his eyes move to the back of my head, though I know he can't see it. It's facing the other side. It can't be seen through my hair half the time anyway. So we've just been sitting in the car all this time, not talking, and I guess I thought the silence was comfortable. But my little kid brain realises he's been thinking about it all this time. He's been thinking about my ear and what a shame it is, not really saying anything. So I just say, I guess... I don't really know what to say. I'm hoping he'll explain what's such a shame about it, but he just looks back at the road and lets out this long breath. Then after a minute, me just sitting waiting for more, because now I know that he's thinking about it. He's just sitting there thinking. And he says, Is it hard being around the kids in school? Do they say nasty things? And I think, Oh, he's worried about me. It's just that he loves me and he's concerned. So I say, Oh, no, not really. Like, I get the old comment, but no one really cares. He says, Really? Oh, Really? And seems so surprised. I don't understand it. So I just wait. I just sit there because he's gone back to silence now. So now I know that silence means he's thinking about it. But I don't know what to say. I told him the truth. And he's still looking at the road. He sighs again. He says, it must be very hard though. You must want to get rid of it. Like it's not a question, just a statement. I must. And then says, I could help you with that, you know. I could get rid of it for you. I know it must bother you. But I'm confused because it doesn't bother me. Should it have? Am I missing something? 
I say, not really, it's just normal for me. And Dad says, not really. So it does bother you at least a bit. You don't have to settle for normal, you know, when you can fix things, you can do better. You know you'll feel better when it's gone and you'll be so grateful, you'll be glad. And again, I don't really know what to say, but I feel like he's wrong. So I, I feel like I don't want to get rid of it. It's my ear. I need it. I grew it for me. I grew it myself. So I swell myself up and I say, no, I don't want to get rid of it. I like it. It's me. And dad says nothing and we sit in silence the rest of the ride home. Then when I'm in bed that night, I hear him arguing with my mum. Not loudly. He never argues loudly, but she's loud. So I know he's speaking calm and quiet and measured again. And for whatever reason, she's just going crazy at him. I wish he would calm down. I'm trying to sleep. And then I must have been asleep because I'm woken up and I know it's night time still because it's dark and the crack between my curtains and my father's here in my room. He's come in especially to see me. But I pretend to still be asleep so I don't blow it and make him leave and he creeps over to me and I see he's carrying the scissors from the kitchen drawer and very, very quickly, it's so fast I don't realise until after it's happened, he's cut it off, my ear. He's cut it off with the scissors. It's in his hand now and I'm bleeding and it hurts. And I start to cry and cry and he soothes me and he strokes my hair until I feel better and he puts a plaster on the cut where my ear was and tells me I did so well. Aren't I glad now it's gone? Don't I feel so much better now it's gone? And as he pats my hair, I do feel better. So I nod and he smiles and then he goes to leave, dropping the ear in the bin near the doorway like it's an ugly little thing and I go back to sleep. <laughs> also matter of fact yeah that, that was the first one it was like I, I need to hear more of what she's written and you didn't uh, fail to impress with the rest of them oh, it's been great to have you on the show today Quigley if anyone um, wants to, to get in, in touch with you will you be posting when, when you're doing open mics or is it a case of you want to remain elusive and mysterious and wherever they see you they're, they're lucky that it's happened well the second one a bit, oh. but I'll put it on my Instagram too when I, when I think of it. Okay, and and what is your Instagram? Uh, it's just my name, Quigley CB. Brilliant. Okay, been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for for sharing your work with us, and I just wish you all the very best with everything that you do. I know that your chat book should be coming soon, so look forward to um, reading that as well. Thanks very much. A great to have you on. We will finish now. Seeing as you know, you've been talking about like all of you and body parts and all the rest. Of it, I think we'll, we'll finish with Billie Holiday and um, all of me. Okay, you've been listening to the Sunday Tea Show right here on ninety six point nine All FM. I've been Ruth O'Reilly. I've been delighted to keep you company. Big thank you to Quegley for taking part in today's show. And we are leaving now with Billie Holiday and all of me. Take care of yourself. Enjoy the rest of Sunday. And do try and you know. Get along to the open mic and support Quigley. Bye for now.